and you can be seated. Glad to see everybody here in the house of the Lord today. If you would, turn to me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36. Again, it's also in your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin this morning, if you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand and Brother Wilson can get with you. Amen. Right here, Brother Wilson, there's some over here. He's slacking on his job. We're going to have to do something about that. We'll take care of that after service today. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 36. We're going to start at the very beginning of that chapter. Uh, we've been studying words from the Lord that went forth to prophets that they delivered. Went through the book of Isaiah. Now we're nearing the end of the book of Jeremiah. Just studying different prophecies. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. This is going to be a little bit different. This is not uh, a prophecy that uh, is just quoted a whole lot. Not a lot of people take joy in this prophecy and the story of what happened, but it's necessary nonetheless. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 1, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. And why? It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. Skip down to verse 20, and the word is given, and they went into the king of the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in ears in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudi, I guess you would say, to fetch the roll. And he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves out of this prophecy, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet... They were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words, the prophecy, the word of God that was given that day. Talking about the importance of God's word, in this instance it was a written word. Uh, we know that prophecy can be given by word of mouth. It can be given and then written and handed to somebody, uh, we've received God's word in written form. 
This is the Word of God, and there's plenty of prophecy that you can find in this book. It'll often take written form, and that's what happened in this story right here. The prophecy was given, and it was written out, and the results weren't exactly what Jeremiah had hoped for and what God's will was for the people. There's a unique Bible, that was the Word of God, that belonged to family members Paula Ryan and her daughter Claire. And if you go to them and you get this Bible that their family still holds, you can open this Bible up. You don't really even have to open it to see that there is a bullet that's embedded in the pages of the Bible. And the Bible was given to Leonard Knight by his aunt in 1915. And according to the family, Leonard carried this Bible in his pocket, the pocket of his shirt, as he went into battle. And it stopped a German bullet from hitting his heart. And the bullet halted about 50 pages from the end of the book from breaking into his skin. And Leonard escaped without a scratch in battle. And after five generations, the Bible and the story of the protection of God's word, if you will, has lived on in this family. And uh, though maybe in your life, it's, we, you don't know if it's preventing you from bullets necessarily, not necessarily being shot at, but there's still a protection of God's word Amen. for somebody who has reverence for it, for somebody who really loves the Word of God. Is there anybody that loves the Word of God this Amen. morning? Amen. Now, I can remember uh, somewhere around the age of 15, I want to say, 16, that, um, you know, you grow up, you go in Sunday school, and you're taught the Word of God, specific stories from the Word of God, and still yet, after you're taught all that, there comes a point where something clicks. And you really develop a love for the Word of God. And somewhere around that age, I can remember, I had like two Bibles, different Bibles, and I would stay up late just trying to consume. And the more I would read something else, I would find, maybe you, that, you remember that happening to you. You first fell in love with the Word of God. When you do that, when you invest in the study of the Word of God, I can guarantee you there is a protection. There is um, a growing provision from God that's going to happen in your life because He knows that when His Word is entrusted with you, you're going to take care of it. Amen. And you're going to have reverence for it. And you're not going to toss it to the side and forget about it. Um, there was a, a man who, uh, if I were to just give you his name, you, would, you, you might know exactly this situation, but he sat in front of a council of clerics and government officials, and he was being accused of heresy, and they were coming against him. And he was coming against these men for the corrupt practices of the church in the day. And he stood before that council and made this statement when it was demanded that he recant everything that he had said. He said, if then I am not convinced by proof from holy scripture or by cogent reasons, I neither can nor will retract anything 
For it cannot be safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. That was Martin Luther. And we thank God for that stand that he took because that gave birth eventually to the latter reign. And there was the, the, the apostolic movement owed something to this moment. Somebody who said, we can't do that. We can't, we, the church is not what is being displayed today. It's something in God's, in God's view, the church is to be something totally different. We're not doing what they did back then. He, he took a stand on the word of God. And God respected that. God loves somebody who will say, hey, let's get back to the Bible. Amen. Let's get back to the way that they lived it when it was taught from the man himself. And that's what our goal is in this church. We want to be apostolic. Yes. Can I have an amen? amen. Right. We want to be like the apostles. Right. When, the, when it first began, when he ordained his church and he said, this is the way it's going to be, and they did it, we ought to be that. Can I have an amen? Right. And so Protestant churches now cover the globe um, much due to the stand that Martin Luther would take. And uh, the story of his courageous stand proves that power is available to somebody who will listen and obey God's word. Now, we come to our text. King Jehoiakim is who we're looking at. This man received a word. It was delivered to him in a very dramatic way. We're going to go through that. But in Jeremiah chapter 36, it's one of the most sobering stories in all Scripture. And it presents an urgent call to revere and to obey God's Word. Now, as I teach this this morning, I, I just don't really believe that there's anybody in the room that doesn't have reverence for the Word of God. I think you at least have reverence for the house of God. You're here today and you're listening. You're, you're interested. Um, and so I'm not... I'm not necessarily like getting after anybody or anything like that, but there's something valuable in revisiting and remembering the value of this word. Amen. What this means, reminding ourselves just what this book is and yes. what a word from God that's given to us is, how important it is, how reverent we need to be because God is releasing gifts of the Spirit in this church yes. and words are going forth past this book from, from right now from the mouth of God through people. We need to have reverence for His Word. In the book of Jeremiah, there's uh, an emphasis on the act of writing the Word of God when it's given. It's happened a few different times. Just before the ending, the description of Jerusalem's destruction at the end of Jeremiah, which is not our text, but the final act of Jeremiah is recorded. He wrote his prophecies against Babylon in a scroll, and he commissioned a man, uh, one of the princes headed into Babylonian exile, to read it aloud when he arrived in the city. I'm going to give you this prophecy. I'm going to write it out. I want you to read it to these people where they can hear the judgment of God if they don't change. And then what I want you to do, I want you to take that scroll and tie it to a rock and take that rock and throw it into the river and show the destruction that'll take place. It's, it's, the, it's signifying that one day Babylon would sink in judgment. 
that they don't change. And so it's interesting, prophecy takes on different forms, different ways, but sometimes it's quite dramatic as it is here. Um, and in this same instance in our text, it's a written prophecy. And this one is filled with prophecies of judgment against Judah. And it is clear in Jeremiah 36 that the writing of the scroll had at least one practical purpose. Jeremiah was detained. He could not go there. He could not go and give the prophecy. And so it had to be written and given to the people. And therefore, he had to give it to this man, Baruch, and have him go and proclaim it. It was the only practical way to do it. And so it was written and given. And the, the message was sent into the temple. And it was read. Jeremiah commanded Baruch to go to the temple and read aloud the scroll with the hope. This is the hope of all of it. This is the goal of it all. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 7. That they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return everyone from his evil way. So we need to understand something today. God sometimes in his word, he can be very strong. Uh, he's a just judge. Yes, he is. He has all the authority to do whatever he wishes. Sometimes to us it may seem harsh, but it's righteous because he's righteous. Amen. And so there are times in which it seems to be a very harsh word in our minds, but we need to understand that the goal of it all is that everyone would turn from his evil way. And there's many times in which you give a prophecy that's pretty hard, so I'm letting you know what's getting ready to happen. But the whole idea is I'm giving you clear notice. So you'll have a chance. He's a God of second chances. But only so many. We know the Bible says that there'll come a point where he'll turn someone over to a reprobate mind. You get to a point where you have offended God and Him giving you chance after chance. And so He always, He gives chances. He gives chances. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. We don't serve an evil God today, folks. Now there's people that look at this book and the Word of God and they, they see Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction that happened, all these different things that God has done. They don't take too much time to look at why right. or the righteousness of God, but everything that He does is righteous. And it's on time, it's in time, and it's for the good of humanity in the end. It's for the good of all of us because He's not willing that any should perish. And we're told that this scroll that Jeremiah, God gives him, Jeremiah, I want you to write every prophecy that I have ever given you. And we need to grasp that for just a second. From the time you were called and I started speaking words to you, I want you to take every one of those and write them down. From the point of his calling as a boy, to the reign of Josiah up to this point right now as a man. This scroll was basically the written record of a lifetime of preaching. It would be the equivalent, just for the sake of our point of view, of God coming to Pastor Rue and saying, I want you to take every message you've ever preached 
and put it in a binder and hand it to this person. Culmination of a preaching ministry. Everything that he had done. God's word handed to him. I've given it already. I've given them one chance. I'm going to give them another chance to hear the whole thing. And you're going to special deliver it to them, even though you're detained. And I'm going to give them another chance. Now, obviously this took a while. Jeremiah's actions, everything here is represented as one last attempt to get these people to hear the word of God before he goes through on it in time for them to turn from wicked ways. Now, already to do a scroll like this takes time. But then you say, I want every word I've given you. This took a while, folks. This they it took some work. And Jeremiah and Hope and all of this that's done right now, all this time that they're taking, all this effort they're putting into this is going to change somebody's mind, hopefully, that they turn from their ways. And so they do this. Jeremiah 36 builds up the tension in this story, and it relates a series of hearings of this scroll by different people, lesser than the king. It went to other people first. They received it. And they're reading over it. And... Different individuals and groups arranged in an ever-ascending order until eventually it does get up to the king. But before it gets to him, all these officials read it. And um, when they begin to read it, the Bible says that they had fear in their hearts. They were afraid. They had reverence for a word from God that had just come to them. They were listening. They were paying attention. They didn't want, they didn't want destruction to come on them. And so they were hearing what God had to say. And then it eventually went to King Jehoiakim himself. Chilling threats of destruction and judgment is what these people were reading. And when the scroll finally received its official audience in King Jehoiakim, the reaction was quite the opposite of the first people that read it. Now, Josiah, like Jehoiakim, also had a confrontation with divine word. This time in the form of a rediscovered copy of the law of Moses. But when King Josiah, who held the throne before, heard the word of God read to him, he responded in humility. He responded the right way. Now it's passed down the rule to somebody else, a younger man. The humility's not there. Let me step back for just a minute and say, I, I preached this at camp meeting, and, and I'll continue to preach it because I believe it. I think it needs to come out of the mouth of somebody that's the age of younger folks today. There's young men and young women that need to follow this truth to the letter. Amen. Because what can happen is over time, things can drop off. Yes. Things can be lost. You ever read that scripture, the beginning of Exodus? There arose a generation who knew not Joseph. 
That doesn't just happen by chance. That's right. In order for all this to take place, the evil that would come, that we read about in the beginning of the book of Exodus, God's people all taken and, 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 and it, everything. At some point, somebody quit telling the story of Joseph. Right. Somebody quit telling their kids about everything that he had been through and how God lifted him up because he lifted up God. The story was lost, and there was a generation that knew not Joseph, perhaps did not have the same reverence for the Word of God, for God Himself. Over time, this happens. It happens over time. I, I remember hearing a story where the Jerry Dean preached at Camp Meeting, and he told the story of this farmer. This farmer that he had a big crop. And there was one day, one year, he went out to begin working the ground. And he got out there and he looked and the fence on his property had moved. Now, in our reality, uh, fences don't grow legs, <laughs> uproot themselves from the earth and say, I think I want to live a foot to the right. Doesn't happen. Somebody got out there and took a row of this man's crop. Actually, it was more than that. And he just began to take a row. Take a row. The next year, he'd go out. And don't say anything. It's just one row. You know, it's just one row. He goes out there the next year. And the man has taken another row. And over a process of time, this other farmer has taken a portion of this farmer's crop. And it didn't happen immediately. It was progressive. He let one row go, and then another row go, and before long, he's losing profit, and it's not even the same farm that it was. You know what had to happen? There came a day when that farmer said, I'm gonna put a stop to this. And he drove his truck to the edge of his farm, to the edge of the rows that he did own, that the man took, and he opened up his truck bed, sat on the end of that truck bed with a shotgun. And he waited on that other farmer to come out there because he was not going to take another row from his farm. It's not something that happens immediately. That's right. It's progressive. Things are lost yes. from truth. And, and there, there's no such thing as a half truth. It's either truth or it's not. That's right. And so if it's corrupted at all, I, I don't know about you, but I want the whole, the yes. whole word of God. I want to live the whole thing. Either I'm in it or I'm not. I want to live the whole word of God. Yeah. Whatever His will is for my life. And I'm not going to treat it as something where I can just let something go here or there. If He said it in His Word, if He impresses it upon me, if He gives me a Word, I'm going to follow it to the letter. That's right. And I'm trying not to preach a sermon that I'm working on. Right now I'm dangerously close. I'm dangerously close. But you know what? 
if, if I'm going to even delve into the deep things of God, if I'm even going to step foot into being apostolic, Pentecostal, I may as well just die again. That's right. That's right. Why in the world would I not? Amen. And so it can be a progression. There was a king at one point that would receive a word from God that revered it and would respond correctly to it. But at some point, there came a king didn't just not do that. It was 180 degrees in the other direction. What happened? They received this word, this scroll in the king's court. And you notice the scripture that we read before it revealed what he finally did. said, and there was a hearth burning with fire before him. The Bible don't just put things like that in there for you to just read past. Something's getting ready to happen. There's a fire burning before him before he receives this word. And so let me just illustrate this for you. Brother March, you, you, you're holding this scroll, the, the word of God from Jeremiah, right? And I know that's two pages. That doesn't quite account for a lifetime of ministry from Jeremiah. But that's, that's the word, okay? Everybody on the same page with me? And, and you are the man in the court that just not long ago, you received this word with fear and trembling. Okay? You understand that this is God saying, I'm giving you a chance. This is a word. Destruction's coming. And you realize something needs to be done. We need to change our ways or do something. you got fear and trembling. And you deliver that you deliver that to King Jehoiakim. Thank you, sir. You can see. I've got it in my court now. And I'm sitting on my throne here. Open it up. They begin reading. And I think it said in our text, got through two or three leaves of it. Let's turn one page. And I'm standing here and there's a fire before me, you know, I guess it's cold. And the fire's burning hot. And I'm reading this. And all of a sudden, about that second or third leaf, the only thing that I can figure, it doesn't say it in the scripture, the only thing I can figure is that the king became offended yeah. by the word of God. Right. And was angry that there was somebody with such authority that would tell him there's about to be destruction come according to your ways. And he picks up a pen knife, the scripture says, and so in our day today we've got a pair of scissors. And he takes the word of God. Doesn't just cut it in half, cuts it into pieces. There's men standing all around him that serve him in his court watching him take a word from God. Cuts it into pieces. A scroll of the lifetime of ministry of the prophet Jeremiah. It's not one prophecy. It's every chance that I have given this kingdom. Right. 
Right. I'm giving, I'm offering you repentance. And you take my chance for repentance and cut it into pieces. And then it says that he takes those pieces and throws them into the fire on the hearth. He was offended by the word of God. Now, pastor preached a message just not long ago. What was the blessing of not being offended? Wasn't that, wasn't that it? There are times in which God will purposely offend us. And there's times when I've read this word and in conviction in my heart, I felt I need to change something in my life. Anybody ever felt that? Be honest, you say, I've been convicted. God was speaking to me. Now, he didn't, he didn't give me this divine message and then, you know, an immediate prophecy word from God. It was given to somebody else, but it's placed in my hands today. You understand that there has been men over time, kings, dignitaries, over the years of history that have tried to destroy this book before it could ever get into your hands. But I said it last week, God protects his word when he delivers it. They, I can't remember who it was, Pastor, maybe you can help me out tried to gather up every Bible that was in the land, pile it up, and set it all ablaze. I think they actually did it, but they didn't get all of them. And it went on and on and on and on. There were people that still revered the Word of God. God protected His Word so we could have it today. And so, yes, He did place the Word in your hands today. Yeah. He did place it in my hands. He's made certain that I received it. Right. And sometimes it offends me. Come on. But my reverence has to be high for it. If it's going to have any effect. It can't offend you. That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes it absolutely needs to. But that's why, folks, and I can't stress this enough. I know we say we've got it. That's, that's fine. But I want to remind somebody. We have to have reverence for this book. Because if you don't have it. If, I mean, if you don't have a high reverence for the Word of God, prophecy that goes forth, the preached Word of God, if you do not have that, then you get offended and you turn against it. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's exactly what happened in this story. The reverence was lost. Somewhere it was dropped off and the man got offended. And... and Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but just to me, it seems as though there wasn't a whole lot of emotion in it. It didn't sound like it in the Scripture. He's just sitting there. He receives this scroll that, it, it, I mean, it comes against his authority. And I'm just going to tear down your whole kingdom if you don't change. And it's almost like it was a scroll that Brother Blake sent me from the press box up there the, and, and, and handed it to me like it was just any other person. He knows it's a word. He knows who Jeremiah is. He's not confused about where this word came from. But perhaps expressionless begins cutting up the word of God and tossing it into the fire. We are living in a time when it is actually quite common for somebody to just take a pair of scissors to the word of God. You know what, what people want? I'm going to tell you what people want today. They want the parts that they're comfortable with. That's right. 
without the parts that convict. And you know where that starts? I'm going to come back to it again. A reverence for the Word of That's God. Right. This is the infallible Word of God. We have to have complete reverence for it. And, and maybe maybe this morning I'm, I'm, I'm calling for somebody to go back to that point on that day when you fell in love with it. That real beginning reverence for the Word of God there's no telling what you might discover in it if we could receive that again. There's people that want to take away every part that they don't like from the Word of God and then just partake of the part that they do. The things that they're comfortable with, the things that will attract people to their church, the things that will make people feel good. And we, in our society, a lot of the Word of God is being neglected, is being cut apart. I mean, there's issues that I don't have to quote the scripture about today. Everybody in this room knows that it's in this book. But there are people in our world, lots of people today, that if you were to go to them and begin talking about an issue, whatever it is, they would say, well, there's nothing in the word of God to support that. Oh, there is. Oh, there is. God is so very clear. God doesn't make it blurry. That's right. He's, he, <laughs> no. he's not a God who sits, sits on the fence about things. You know, I mean, he, he even tells his people, I would not be that you'd be lukewarm, but you'd be hot or cold. He's very clear. And so he cuts this up. He throws it into the fire. What happens? Jehoiakim, King Jehoiakim's apparent victory over this divine word was very short-lived. God immediately commanded Jeremiah to produce another scroll. This one containing even more words of judgment against Judah. He intensified the prophecy and this time there was no turning back. Jehoiakim would die in a way that matched the shameful way he destroyed the scroll. With his corpse left unburied and exposed to the elements. I'm going to read you what happened. Jeremiah chapter 52. Now in the fifth month, in the tenth day of the month, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the guard, which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house. And all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men, even the men that sat and did have reverence in a moment, burned he with fire, and all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down all the walls of Jerusalem round about. He said, if your fate for a word from me is that it's going to go into the fire, I can only respond with fire. And so the home of this king was burned. It was burned to the ground, along with much of the area. I have to say today, I know this is different, I know this is different, but I have, I have a responsibility to preach the whole word of God that is laid on me in my calling. I have to preach this whole word. 
Amen. I can't leave things out of it. And, and a very real part of it, a very real part that people want to erase and cut out of it like King Jehoiakim today is that hell is a real place. That's right. And I believe that in this part of our Bible, it's being mirrored what will happen. We're being preached words as Jeremiah delivered to them to turn from their ways. And there comes a point where destruction does take place. Hell is a real place and society wants to erase that. It just wants to, it wants to talk about heaven and the good things that you can have here on earth and then what you get when you get there. But because of that, there's a lot of people that don't have a fear of hell. That's right. It's been removed. And there, there is, it, it's a fact, there is a lake of fire. It, it's, it's hot. And it's going to be eternal torment for people who have just not had reverence or obeyed the word of God. There's going to be a lot of people. It's not the will of God that any should perish. But there's going to be some perish because he's given us free will. We've got a choice, folks. The word of God's been handed to us been placed in our lap to do what we will with it. It's our choice as to whether we're going to be Josiah and we're going to respond to it rightly or whether we're just going to cast it into the fire or maybe we'll cut it up a little bit and take the parts that we want. There's a fate to that. There is a burning that's going to happen someday, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just being real. I'm not going to take it out of the picture. It's, it's real. It was a real place. Now, at the same time, the sad truth of all of this is that a different possibility was hanging over that whole story. At the beginning of this chapter, he said, my will in all this is that they would turn from their ways. If he had responded differently, what may have happened is blessings come on this nation. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. What may have happened mm -hmm. is God protect this nation. A lot of times, even if it was a king or a nation that did wrong anyway, if they responded to the word of God in the right way, the Lord would protect them. Yeah. Just revering it and responding to it in the right way. That might have happened. You may have witnessed somebody destroy a great portion of their life because they didn't respond to the word of God that they received. But there's blessing in obeying. God's word. I wonder if there's if there's somebody you want to raise your hand, but you I mean you just respond in some way and say, I've tried to obey God in my life and he has blessed me. Amen. Amen. Anybody since you started obeying him, you can say, I've been blessed. Yes. Praise yes. God. Praise God. I've been blessed. Yes. I've, I've never been wanting for food. God's touched my family. Since I've been obeying the word of God. That's what King Josiah did. In fact, the contrast is quite amazing. They summarized... In, in 2 Kings, it was a summary of Josiah's reign. It said this, He did that which was right 
in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or the left. He did the word of God. He responded to the word of God. And his obedience to God's word not only undid the idolatry of his grandfather Manasseh, but it reached all the way back to undo the idolatry of Jeroboam. His choice to obey the divine word literally reversed generations of idolatry and sinful living. I'm here to tell somebody today, if you feel that you or the family that you're a part of has lived in disobedience to God's word, I have a great encouragement for you. You can be the difference in your family. Amen. You know what God's looking for? He's not looking necessarily for 15 people to instantaneously turn their whole lives over to God in a family. He just needs one person that he can start with. Everybody else is doing something else and they hear the word of God and they're like, I'll just cut this up and throw it into the fire. I've got other things that I want to do to my life. If there will be one person just Amen. one person who will say, I'm going to revere this book. Amen. I'm going to live it to the letter, Sister Betty. And everything that God gives me, when He gives me a word, I'm going to respond to it. No matter what anybody else is doing, they can say what they want to about the lifestyle and living for God that I've chosen. I'm going to live it anyway, and there's going to be blessing come from it. Yes. I'm not going to have to worry about him. I'm never going to come close to it. You can undo years of sinfulness that's been throughout a family, a bloodline. You can change your family tree and start something completely new. Iniquity iniquity sins that have been passed on from years and years can be blotted away in a response to a word from God. I don't know how you feel right now about this book or about a word from God. If somebody were to stand right now in this church and give forth a word from prophecy, how would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? Perhaps if it was convicting on you and it was something that made you feel, I need to get something out of my life, how would you respond to it? Let me tell you this. It all starts with, if it's a word from God, it's righteous. Amen. It's, Amen. it's just right. It's wonderful. And I'm just blessed to be having it handed to me. Right. You know what? We're blessed to sit in this church today and have somebody expound on this word and say I'm holding the word of God I've been given the word of God that I'm going to preach to you today amen I'm just thankful I get to be a part of that and I want to respond to it in the right way because if I will just as real as hell is heaven is very real amen and I'm going to tell you this he talks about that just as much in this word as he does anything else. Yes. 
Amen. And I can have joy in that today. There's danger in resisting the Word of God. But oh, there's blessing in honoring it. There's blessing in responding to it. Hey, I don't ever want somebody to preach something to me in this pulpit. This is just me. I don't know how you feel about it. And me not respond to that. Amen. And not just respond to it, but just have a talk with God about it. What if King Jehoiakim were to just in a minute receive that word and say, I'm going to see if I can't talk to God about this because I don't feel right about it. I think maybe if he would even have a conversation with God about what he felt about it, it might not have ended the way it did. But when we receive a word from the Lord, when we receive a word from the Lord, the first thing we need to do is do like Hezekiah did and said, Amen. If it's a word from the Lord, Amen. But then, talk to God about it. Don't not respond to it. I want to respond and have reverence for a word from God. Let's stand today. I can tell you this, wherever you see evidence of sin's destruction, in the news on the street corner, at the mall, in the mail, you can remind yourself that all that is wrong and broken in our world, I'm talking everything that is wrong and broken in our world has been a result of people who don't heed or respond word of God. You know what? This message is not unpreached. Now I know I know that the word says that before the end comes it's going to be preached in the entire earth. That's what it says. And then shall the end come. It's not everywhere. But generally in America people know what Jesus did. And many are not responding to it or they've chosen not to, and because of that, it's torn apart their life. I want you to take a minute and close your eyes this morning. I want you to visualize. I know this is a strong word right now, but I want you to visualize the still smoldering ruins of ancient Jerusalem. Bodies of slain people strewn and piled Houses and walls reduced to heaps of rubble. You can smell the stench of death and burning. Ghastly faces on corpses. You can hear the mournful cries of widowed women and orphaned children. And now say to yourself, this happened because Jehoiakim did not obey God's word. Again, I say today, it's not His will that any should perish. Thank you, Lord. I think God wants to rekindle in some of us. I know, I know we say we love the Word of God, but I think He wants to rekindle in us a refreshed respect and honoring of the Word of God. That way, that way, when He gives it forth in this church, and I believe it's going to get stronger as the days go on, there will be nothing, 
nothing but reverence for it and an understanding if it comes from God, it's just right. It's just right. If He does it, if He says it, if He performs it in our midst, it's just right. Would you lift your hands right now? Come on, lift your hands. I know God's speaking to some people right now.